Hey guys, and welcome back to the 40 Yard Line podcast. Once again, I am your host, Jacob Campos, or JC, and sitting on my left-hand side is none other than Evan Veith. How is everyone doing today? It, it took us a while to get this podcast started today, but I'm we're not. Here. I'm not doing well. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm doing quite terribly. JC, JC's had a tough day, so he, he, might, be, he might be taking a backseat in the last few, few segments. <laughs> yeah, JC might have to take a step out, guys. It's a... Uh, what the kids would call a rally yeah, is what I'm going to need yeah. right now. But, you know, nothing will rally me more than the 40-yard line. Oh, my so, God. This guy's so good at transitions. Yeah, let's just get right into <laughs> it. Uh, first off for y'all today, obviously this is episode 23, so don't worry. There will be a GOAT debate mm, at one point happening. Jordan episode. The Jordan rules, yes. Maybe. Title still working. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, let's talk Texas basketball, though. Uh, over the last two weeks, or excuse me, not over the last two weeks, over the last two games, we've seen the highs and the lows of UT basketball. Yep. And a lot of it actually happened in different halves. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's go ahead and just do a little recap on last Saturday's game against OU. Once again, Jabari Rice led the team in scoring. Just yep. another, uh, just highlighting his performance. Another 24-pointer for him. Nothing, nothing crazy. Crazy. <laughs> and there was just an insane amount of lead changes. I'm going to take you through just a couple. That was just in the second half. 67-61 to 61 in OU's favor at the 6.07 mark. At 4.55, so just a little bit more than a minute, Texas went up 70-67 on the back of a 9-0 run. And then the Horns went up 73-68 to at the 2.30 mark before going scoreless, and the game got sent to overtime by just a ridiculous three-point shot. Yep. It, it was a great shot, but just pulling up from like, and he was pretty far beyond the line. No, I was I was there. That that completely took the sound out of the arena. I oh, mean, yeah. The, the, the crowd, which I'll, I'll give it, and we'll get into this later, was great. But, man, I was dejected when that shot fell. And I'm honestly, in like, I think, and this will get to what you're talking about later, just proves the power of the Moody. Yeah. But it is insane that Texas was able to come back and bounce back and still pull off the win in overtime mm-hmm. as they scored eight straight to go up 81-75. And just, you know, a couple of free throws here and there, boom, 85-83. Another win in the clutch Yep, for the Longhorns. Rodney Terry has not yeah. lost a game that's been decided within five points or in overtime. That's ridiculous. Crazy. Rodney Terry, whether or not we think it's a good idea, is potentially coaching himself into being the permanent head coach. I mean, he's coached himself into a, a Naismith finalist and is, is pretty undeniably been yeah. top 15 coach in the country this yeah. year. He is a one of 15 already. Yeah. And he's probably a top 10 coach. I yeah. I, I mean, it's going to be it's gonna be tough. We'll talk about it more in the offseason probably. It's going to be tough to replace a guy like him if he's coaching like this right now. Oh, yeah. But March will mean a lot. That will take us to Saturday, excuse me, Tuesday's game, speaking of Rodney Terry, which is a game that I think this team really needed. Yeah. Um. For once, we got lucky. I'm not <laughs> lucky, but the shots were falling for the Texas Longhorns as they scored 47 in the first half. They went on to win 72-54 to over the Iowa State Cyclones, who were 23. This is a ranked AP Top this 25 team. This is a very good team. team. Yeah. This is a, yeah, this is a very good team. Uh, do you know what the Ken Palm ranking is? I was, for them, I, you know me too well. I was pulling it up. Right. <laughs> Perfect. Um, after the, they're right now at 19. It was probably even higher before this game. So if I had to guess about when we played them, probably around 15th. Okay, yeah. That's ridiculous, guys. Like, that's really high. Um, I don't know why I said it like that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Texas going 47% from the field goal, 42% from the three. Once again, another poor free throw performance. So yeah. we'll be going 6 of 11, which that's starting to bother me just a little bit. And but only getting the line 11 times in a game like this, it, the free throws didn't matter. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, very, um, wasn't a clean game by any means, still had 12 turnovers. Yeah. But you did force Iowa State into 
tons of turnovers, 10 in the first half, excuse me, 11 in the first half. That really hurt them. Overall, guys, just another great game. And the one who needed the most, the one we've been worried mm-hmm. about this season, got it. And Tyrese Hunter, who had 15 points going 5 of 9 from the field goal, or he's going 5 of 9 from the field goal. And once again, another dominant Jabari Rice game as well. I mean, Jabari Rice has just been having a crazy season, especially in Big 12 play. He's really stepped into his own. And Six men of the year. Yeah, there's there's no, I don't know anyone else in college who's doing what he does off the bench. And he's just such an efficient shooter these days. And uh, I like what you said about the, you know, the turnovers, getting really high on the defensive side, nine, nine steals in the game, and also five more offensive rebounds than Iowa State had. They had 14 offensive rebounds, which is not something you usually expect, especially against Iowa State, who has a lot of size and is the best defensive team in the Big 12. Now, obviously, 72 points isn't a crazy amount, but when you're only letting them give up or score 54, who cares if you have 72 or if you have 90? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So 47 point lead or points at the half, almost more than what Iowa State had for the whole game. And like you said, Tyrese Hunter just really came into his own this game. Didn't really have to score in the second 15 half. 15 from him, 15 from yeah. Rice, yeah. Yeah, and he didn't really take too many shots in the second half, and he could have gotten it up more. This is a game where if it was a close game, Hunter could have been going for around 30. And against Iowa State, which is you know, obviously his former school, struggled in Ames when they played. That's got to feel good for him, and this is probably the oh, game. He was feeling himself after that yeah. corner. He hit this like nice little corner three. He had time. He should have hit a shimmy. Hunter was feeling himself. <laughs> he should hit the shimmy. Hunter was feeling himself. JC's going to get mad for what I'm about to say because uh, I've, been, I've been plugging it too much, but on my Twitter recently, I've been doing a lot of random Dude, arguing I with people. I, it, I don't, it's not even that I'm plugging it. I just want to bring this up, that people were calling for Rice to start, and as much as I love Rice, and he's you know a great player, a top-five player on this team, I would rather him close out games than Hunter, but not take Hunter out of the starting lineup to kill his confidence. I agree. This is the exact game that you you get from starting Hunter. But also, I do think that Hunter provides a lot more for you defensively. Yeah, and I think that's a yeah. core. That's like a core. Obviously, it's changed as time's gone on the season, but a core part of Texas is still shutting down teams for ten minutes at a time. Yeah, which is something that only Tyrese Hunter can do. Yeah, he's a he's a far better defender than Rice. Rice is Rice is good. And he's got longer arms. But Hunter on ball is fantastic, and he fights through screens really well. Mm-hmm. And um, so I kind of want you to explain this because I know how it works, but not completely in depth to explain it. I want to talk about Quadrant 1 wins. Yeah, I mean, it's not something I'm an expert on, but it's the idea that uh, Ken Pomeroy, who is kind of the lead analytics guy for, for all of college basketball, does these things called Quadrant wins where there's four quadrants, Quadrant 4, 4, 3, 2, 1. And the general idea for Selection Sunday and in general March Madness is that you want to be doing really well in your Quadrant 1 games. Mm-hmm. Quadrant 1, I don't know the exact specific measurements, but it's winning against you know top 50 teams, winning against top, I think, 75 if you're away. It's Or maybe it's top 50 when you're home or away and top 25 when it's you're home. Top seven, it's top 50 home, and I believe it's top 75 for away in neutral site. That's, yeah, that, away thank you. neutral site game. So it's it's basically beating the top echelon of teams, You know, usually Power, power 5 teams plus your really good Mountain West American Conference teams like Houston, San Diego State things like that, and it's getting these important wins, and Texas is starting to rack up a much better Quadrant 1 finishes than they were last year, and it's something that in the Big 12, they're doing well, and JC's gotten a really great chart for us that shows that when it comes to Quadrant 1 wins, Texas is second in the nation. At 10 wins to 6 losses. Yeah, Kansas is 14-5, and and that's just why Kansas is such a great team, because A, they're playing more very good teams. They have the hardest schedule in the nation, playing more good teams, and they're also beating them, you know, more than us. So 14 of 19 for Kansas, but 10 of 16 for UT, that is fantastic. That's about a 63% win percentage against very, very good teams, and they didn't drop any games against Quadrant 2, 3, 4 teams. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, and I think something else that I really 
you know, we put a lot of thought into stats too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we definitely are a big stat heavy guys. But the one number that really stands out to me is the number five. Because of these top 10 Quadra One wins, five of these schools are, for, are Big 12 schools. Yep. Five of the schools that are deemed, you know, some of the best schools in the nation. Of these top 10, five are from the Big 12. Yeah, and that's why this team is on the way to possibly winning a Big 12 championship, or at least a Big 12 regular season I championship. Mean, yeah, we had a big game Saturday yes. going to Waco, Texas. It's going to be hostile. It's mm-hmm. going to be tough. Uh, Baylor helping us a little bit this week, though, because they did lose. They did drop a game this yes. week. Uh, TCU dropped one as well, correct? To uh, I do believe so, yeah. So yeah. right now when you're looking at the standings, Kansas and Texas are tied at the top of the conference 11-4. Kansas does have the non-conference win, so they are technically first. Kansas State and Baylor are tied at nine and six, which, with three games left to play, really are the only teams you're worrying about. Kansas or Iowa State's eight and seven. TCU and Oklahoma State are kind of at it at this point. So basically, Texas beats Baylor away, and they've eliminated Baylor from the race. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, it's only Kansas and Kansas State in the way. And really, when you're playing Kansas as your last game of the season, they control their own destiny to win the Big Twelve. No, you're playing. You're playing for the number one Big Twelve, and then not only that, but all of a sudden. You're playing to be one of the number one seeds, and then I, I yeah. feel like in the March Madness, this this team wins out. They're a number one seed, probably top two in the nation. I would say, regardless of what happens in the Big Twelve championship, unless we have a major meltdown, we lose in the first round. I yeah. think if this team somehow, I'm not I'm not expecting it to happen, but if this team is somehow capable of winning these next three games, that is a top four team heading into March. Definitely, Madness. I agree. And right now, you're looking at these teams. It's Baylor, who is number nine in the country right now. We'll also reference Ken Palm for them. He's top 15 in Ken Palm. You're talking about Kansas, who is a top, what was it, three team in the nation? Three. Yep. Yeah. TCU is 24th in the nation. Three ranked Big 12 opponents, and one of them's away. That's, or two of them two, are away. Excuse are me, away. sorry. Two. They're also traveling to TCU in Fort Worth. If they take two of these three games, in my opinion, this is a very, very, very good team going into the tournament. This is a deadly team. Yeah. I think yeah. if Tyrese Hunter can find his confidence, he can find his shot. Because if this team is really just a consistent Tyrese Hunter three-point shooting mm-hmm. away from really high aspirations. Final four. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the main thing that's going to come in the way is a team with a big center. A Purdue. 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 You know, yeah. a team like Connecticut who has some very tall players. But this is, you know, say, let's say they beat both Baylor and Kansas. Even if they drop to TCU, I think if you beat Baylor and Kansas, you're going to be winning the Big 12. Yeah. And then you go into a tournament where – you can. You've already shown you can beat every single team in it. Mm-hmm. Who's to say Texas can't win the Big Twelve as well? That'd be sick. Yeah, yeah that was, would be a great year. I would say that Texas fans always travel well. Yeah, too. Texas has played in some pretty hostile places this year. Uh, hasn't always done great, but they do pull it together and they come in within a few points usually of every game. Mm-hmm. We've have not been blown out once this year. No, is, there's there's not been a game where I thought, wow, we got so outplayed. It was embarrassing. The closest for me was Tennessee. I would say the closest for me was Tennessee as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, but that's, again, that's a top five team in the nation. We played them away, and they had a crazy crowd for that game. Yeah. That's just, and something I want to touch on, because this is something that's really important to the team right now, is they are now, I, I don't want to say the exact number, I think it's 16-1 and one at the Moody Center this season. Uh, yeah, it is 16-1. The only game they dropped was to Kansas State. When who, they shot like 60% from the field. Exactly. Yeah. They dropped 116 points on Texas. Texas scored over 100 points. That's crazy. Either way. And they beat Kansas State anyway. So it's not even that bad of a loss. It's not. Now, one thing that I really want to talk about is the fact that, so, <clears throat> Oklahoma right now is the worst performer in the conference play at 3-12. and 12. 
However, they did just drop this game to Texas Tech, but they are actually not yet eliminated from excuse me from the actual NCAA tournament. No, them and West Virginia are both still in play. So right now, ESPN, ESPN excuse me, is projecting the Big Twelve to send. This is a projection right now. Eighty percent of the God. entire conference to the tournament. Eighty percent of the Big Twelve, but there is a potential that. All ten schools are going to the tournament this yeah, year. Yeah, and, and just for just for reference, we're going to go back to Ken Palm because right now Oklahoma, who is the worst Big Twelve team, is fifty sixth in Ken Palm, which is right outside of very important the top fifty threshold, which Texas Tech just barely slips into. Pittsburgh is sixty first. Pittsburgh is third in the ACC, and they're half a game away from first. Yeah. So this last place, yeah. Oklahoma team by advanced metrics, is being said that they could beat out Pitt, who is the third in a conference that. Usually is seen as the best conference in college basketball. Not this year, obviously. It's but the Big Twelve far and away. This yeah. is this is one of the most special, <coughs> special conference seasons you will ever see. Yeah, it, it, it's truly unrivaled how good this Big Twelve is, and that's also why it's just you have to be so happy as a basketball fan. I know we were critical on this podcast of this team. We always have been. We always it's have part been. Of but our nature. I think I think it's just the way you see this team has been playing. You have to give them their flowers and their props for how they played this year. And I. You know, I hate. I I just hate to bring it up because there's no easy reason <laughs> to. But we forget that this team has played through adversary, uh, some adversity, adverse <laughs> adversity. Yes, there you go. This is one of the most like mentally and physically strong rosters, and that's just such a credit to Rod Terry. Mm-hmm. He's he's the man with the plan. He it is doing is. a fantastic job, and just man, I really think that the locker room just improved. Yes, this year. You know, I think that. Oh man, what was his name? I hated that guy. Our shooting guard last year, Courtney Ramey. Yeah, Jay losing, losing Courtney Ramey was great for us. Um, bring, <laughs> I don't think he was a cancer to the locker room. I mean, I'm not saying he was. I just wasn't a fan of him. But I just gotcha. think, like, keep getting Marcus Carr to come back for one more year. Huge. Keeping Christian Bishop, Timmy Allen, as well. Dylan DeSue finally came into his own. Mm. There's this team special. Yeah, and and you can just tell last year's team went 22 and 12 and was not a team that was dominant in the Big 12. They're 10 and 8 in the Big 12. Now, even through losing their head coach, who was such a big core identity of this team, I mean, Coach Beard was more than, I, I know, you know, we don't want to keep bringing it up, but he was the star of this team. He was the face of Texas basketball. And he was also one of the, and people actually don't know this unless you're a student here or you go on Evan's Twitter. Um, <laughs> you said it on me. <laughs> <laughs> he was one of the faces of this school. Yeah. He was as big as Chris Del Conte, our athletic director. Big as, big as Sark, big as yours. Big as you know? Bijan. Yeah. yeah. I think Bijan's the one person I put above mm-hmm. like, I above that group, but still. But everyone knew who Chris Beard was. Everyone knew mm-hmm. what he looked like. And Texas has just kept on moving. Yeah. They had a game the day he got like terminated or put on like suspension. Against Rice, yeah. They, they found out after the game because they didn't know what was going to happen before the game. Mm-hmm. So phones were put away. And they barely escaped, and that was the one game that really shook them up. Yeah, it was an overtime game, but they, you know they should be taking rice to overtime. But given the circumstances, they pulled through. And Marcus Carr, day. yeah, Marcus Carr almost dropped thirty that game, and mm-hmm. that's the guy who that's really Chris Beard's guy. It's the guy he poached as the number one. I believe he was the number one transfer in the country when he, he was, was taken, yep. and from Minnesota. And Chris Beard kind of groomed him, and now he's this amazing player for Texas, even under a different coach. And Ronnie Terry's offensive scheme has been very, very, very good. No matter no matter what you can say about Beard or the team, the team's offense has gotten better since Terry has become a coach. Yeah. Defense obviously has subtracted a little bit, 
That Kansas State game is the that, obvious one. But that's a Chris Beard team. Yeah, and that's a, that's defense. that's what yeah. he's known for. Yeah. So that's gonna be the struggle is defending the inside against centers in, in the tournament and in the Big Twelve. But at least the Big Twelve, when you're playing TCU, Kansas, and Baylor, that's not a thing you're too concerned about. There is a height advantage for Kansas. There is a height advantage for TCU. But it's not a game where you're gonna say we are gonna lose because of a Zach Eady type. There's no reason to think this team's gonna lose for anything right now. Like. I feel like the they're hot. That, yeah, I feel like it's self-inflicted wounds. What's mm-hmm. going to be that gets us? Yeah, and that's it happens. You know, yes. we're not saying we're not saying this team is assured to win three straight games to end the season. I think but two and one is fantastic. I think two and one it would be a major win, and it's just how they've been this whole year: win three, lose one; win two, lose one. But just keep chugging. Don't let that one loss get you down for the rest because they've not lost back-to-back games. They haven't even lost three of four yet this season. It's just been or three of five. Excuse me. This has just been a team that keeps just getting resilient and more and more throughout the year after losses. They lost to Tennessee. They go and play Baylor and go to Kansas State and win both of those games. That was, for me, the real turning point of the season because the Tennessee game, like we said, disappointing game. We were pretty upset after it. And then we see, oh, there's three straight top 10 teams are playing. Well, Baylor's 11th. They go and beat Baylor at home. They beat Kansas State away. And then they lose to at Kansas. Winning those two games really felt for me was the turnaround of the season. And the thing is, with Kansas, we still kept that game within, what, six, seven points? Yeah, it was a close game. And we we were stuck with it till the end. Like, yeah. This team is resilient. It's mm-hmm. not going to go out without a fight. And it's a team where, like like you said, I mean, I, I'm not going to call it Courtney Ramey specifically, but I am. There, there are some players last year that I wasn't a fan of, and Courtney there's not Ramey. a single... There's not... Devin Askew. Um, oh, there's not, real, a, there's not a single player on this team that frustrates me more than I really like them because it's a likable group of players. I mean, Dylan Mitchell, as much as he's not grown to what we thought he would be, is one of the most likable players on campus. He's in one of my classes. Every time I see him, he's just got a big smile on his face. He just looks happy to be there. New Bijan, new Bijan. Yeah, I saw Brock Cunningham outside of uh, uh, the wing place we went to dinner for last night. I was with you. When yeah, that I'm, I'm telling our viewers. Oh, that reminds me. You know who I saw by Nwina Omar? Who? Who's my favorite Texas basketball player? Bishop? I saw Cole Bott. Cole Bott! <laughs> Buying Moscato the other day. Can we say, how, wait, how old is he? Can we say that? No. It's, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, who it's cares? Fine, yeah. Yeah, they probably know. Either to, way. To quote the guy, Evan and I went to get lunch today, right? To quote our waiter, really cool guy, for all my people in uh, in uh, Austin, El Patio. Or patio, specifically. <laughs> patio, or Patio. <laughs> patio. Patio for the, um, yeah. Decent Tex-Mex, you know. It was, we had a good deal, we had a good coupon, right? Yeah. Um, this is a sports podcast. I know, but it's we gotta tell it. Bruce, Bruce, our waiter, such a cool dude, so great guy, so good to me and Evan. And uh, he was talking to us and our friend Brandon. He was like, you know, like um, uh, on Thursdays, it's like, uh, wait, how old are you? Actually, I don't care how old you guys are. <laughs> they have twenty dollars pictures of frozen marks, and we're like, thanks, Bruce. And I'm like, thanks. I I can't get that, but sounds good. Because <laughs> no, he was just so open about. He it. was like, yeah. Well, now we're kind of calling them out. <laughs> it's fine. We don't, Bruce. You deserve a raise. Either way, Bruce, great waiter, guys. If you go to El Patio, ask for Bruce. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, exactly. If you go there, ask for Bruce, and you know, no, there's nothing. I, I'm honest with you, JC. You know how I try to do the transitions. There's no transition here to go from El Patio to NFL football. Oh, no. There's but, a transition. Ready? Yeah. Speaking of new beginnings. And oh, new, this new guy East. is just too speaking good. Of, speaking this of guy new is Eats, too new good. beginnings, there's a lot of people in the NFL that are undergoing new beginnings. So we're going to talk about some of the more uh, recent head coaching hires, mm-hmm. some of the offensive coordinator hires, some of the defensive coordinator hires, and what we think is good, what we think is bad, and uh, Sean Payton. Yeah. 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 And I, I would say we we're going to warn you. You'll see how long the episode is. 
I have a feeling this episode's going to go a little long. I didn't realize, like, there's a lot much of we had to say about Texas basketball. Yeah, because we, this is, this was our episode where we had to apologize, almost, because we had to say, we've been giving them flack all year, we've been a little bit negative about them, this has been a team that we've come to love, and has come to just be one of the best regular season teams. Oh, they've grown on me. Yeah, yeah, and this is the best regular season team in UT basketball in a long time. Yeah, and, and this team's a consistent three ball away from yeah, upsetting exactly. the nation. Yeah, yeah, so they could beat any team in the nation, it feels like, as long as they have what's going for them, and that's a good feeling to have for a school that's not really a basketball school who doesn't have their head coach, but they're doing it. Either way, like I said, we are going back to the NFL, and the first one I want to start on is with the Arizona Cardinals, who hired probably the most polarizing of the hires this season, apart from maybe the Sean Payton deal. Jonathan Gannon, who was the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, also brought in his assistant, Nick Rallis, who was his linebacker coach, turned him into the off- or defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And this is a Cardinals team that has a lot going against them, and he's going to be expected to turn around this franchise. JC, what's your opinion on this? I mean, to be quite honest with you, I don't think he put himself in a good situation. If I was somebody interviewing for a job, I would not want to go to the Arizona Cardinals right now because yeah. it is a team that your franchise quarterback, who you owe a lot of money to, mm-hmm. is not going to be ready for the start of next season because he's coming off a torn ACL. Who knows when they get Kyler back. Also, you have a new GM, too. This GM is also just going into it as well. And, you know, your best receiver, this star guy you traded for a couple of years ago. Didn't have to trade too much for, to be he, fair. He's <laughs> true, real. He's probably on his way out. Yeah. D-Hop's probably not going to be around much longer. Uh, defensively last year, you just couldn't hold it together. No. Uh, you would slip up in every single game in the second half. Uh, if you want to know just how bad the Cardinals were last year, the Chiefs have a better record at Arizona Stadium <laughs> than the Arizona Cardinals. It's true. They, the they Chiefs were won two there. games there. Yeah. Arizona won one game. Yeah, one home game. It's a That's, poor team. And yeah. I think that Gannon... I, and, you know, Evan obviously knows more about it. He's going to stats. Yeah, I'll go into the, the nerds. He'll go into, like, the nerd. But, like, at a first glance, like, of course you're going to have success when you have Hassan Reddick, like, blitzing every single <laughs> Former <player>. Cardinal. <laughs> yeah. And you have Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And you just have, like, all these, like, monsters on the defensive line. Like, yeah, yes, he is a good coach. But also he was got a lot of really good players. And... That's yeah. all I have to say on that one. I mean, what I'll say is that... I don't think he deserved the job. Okay. That's what that's, I want Okay. Yeah. One thing that I will say with him is that it's probably just not the fairest, like you said, not the fairest situation to go into because of how... I don't think people quite understood how bad the Cardinals were last year. They were last in their division that had the Rams in it, who were also awful. They were 4-13. and 13, They had, like, four quarterbacks. Yeah. They, they. I mean, they had to play Trace McSorley for a little bit, who was the... It was Cole McCoy, and David Blau was the last name, alongside Longhorn legend David Blau. Yo, Tank, can I get a gritty? Uh, we have a soundboard. Yeah. Uh, David Blau, Longhorn legend. I yeah. had to do it. No, Cole McCoy, Longhorn legend. <laughs> David Blau. David Blau did not go to the UT. No, Either didn't. way, Cole McCoy did. I'll, I'll go into my nerd stats. Basically, the way that, that this Eagles defense is built on is they invested heavily into it, which is not a detriment to what Gannon did. He still was a good defensive coordinator, but football references this stat called simple rating system. And for who, people who don't know, I live on the reference pages, whether it's football, basketball, or baseball. I'm always on those things. And one thing you'll notice about this Eagles defense is that they aren't actually that great. The, the way to put it is that though they finished this year as one of the top three in yards and, and points against on defense, or I think top ten in points, that if you look at the simple rating system, which 
kind of takes a team's strength of schedule and their opponents, how other teams do against teams, and puts it to an average and zero is the average. Kind of like how OPS plus in baseball is at 100. Zero is average in the NFL. In Gannon's first year, which was 2021, he actually was below average on his defense, even though their defense was in the top half because of their schedule. Mm-hmm. This year, with an even easier schedule, one of the easiest schedules in the league, he barely had an above-average defense, according to SRS. Yeah, the best quarterback he played was Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, they, they didn't really play any elite teams, and that's why this team was 14-3, and and his team was very good, and the defense played very well. But they crumbled a little bit in the playoffs and didn't really have to face anything too crazy until the Chiefs. Well, because they took out my boy Brock Purdy. Yeah. They and put a hit on him. You know, Daniel Jones, not an elite quarterback, didn't have to play a quarterback in the 49ers, and then they're playing against Patrick Mahomes, who it's hard to stop Patrick Mahomes no matter who you are. But if you're bringing in a guy like Gannon, you expect it to be the best defensive coordinator in the league that you can get. And I just don't think he is. Like you said, this is not only a team that already had a good defense last year and he did a little bit under average against. They added Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, very high-impact player from the Saints, Hassan Reddick, who turned into one of the best off-ball or edge off rushers, blitzers, yeah. which or, I'll give to, I'll give to Gannon, very very good for him, turned him into a great edge rusher. Not saying Gannon's an awful coach, and then they also got James Bradbury, one of the better cornerbacks. It just they added so much good to this team that was already so good. I don't think Gannon was that big of a deal. And, I I agree. Yeah, and I'm so out, yeah. one thing I'll also add is that this is a team that their offense is. I know their defense was all awful. But the offense is what you need to focus on because Kyler Murray is going to be recovering from an ACL tear, coming in very late next year, and he is your franchise. You gave him that big contract. Whether you think he's good or not, he's your franchise for now. He's not. You need to give him a coach that's going to help him with that. I I don't think Gannon is going to be that guy to get his head out of the call of duty, to get him fully focused on winning championships. He he needs what Russ got and Sean Payton. Yeah. He needs a QB mentor. Yeah. And And, I just, that's not Gannon. And it wasn't Kingsbury either. (laughs) Nope. But, you know, he's up in Thailand with his, like, Spicy little girlfriend now living off the reserve. <laughs> off like Who knows what Cliff Kingsbury's doing? What a swag, dude. What a weird guy. What I will say, I mean, we mentioned him in here. I really like Nick Rallis, who's their new defensive coordinator. I think this defense can turn around pretty quickly because Buda well, Baker and Isaiah Simmons are great say, players. Isaiah Simmons is a great linebacker. They have a pretty good secondary and some good players. And like I said, he turned Kaiser White and TJ Edwards into great linebackers. And also, like, you know, obviously NFL legend. You're always going to love him and respect him. But... You were paying J.J. Watt not for the productivity, but for the name J.J. Watt. Losing him isn't going to hurt you at all. It's anything that can help you get some more money and some more cap size. And this team is, is going to be in a full rebuild around Kyler Murray. They're going to trade oh, yeah. Andre Hopkins, and they're going to be, you know, Marquise Brown's going to be their run, wide receiver one. James Conner's a running back one. You think Conner's going to stay? There's no point not. Yeah. So I think yeah. I think that this team will run it back and be bad, be one of the worst teams in the NFL, and Gannon will get some flack for it. But it's really about how this season – a full season with Kyler, and a bit of a chance to rebuild his team that we'll really see. I don't really care what he does next year. I don't think it's kind of a wash. Either way, I think we're both kind of in the same territory of not the biggest fan. I'm not I'm not taking next year. Yeah, that's, that, that should be into account. account. No. Something that we should take into account is this offseason with the Ravens. There you go. You they have, got a transition. They have probably the most important offseason of any team this offseason with Lamar Jackson's contract looming. Yeah, and uh, we actually just talked about it today. Uh, according to ESPN... Lamar Jackson denied an offer for a five-year, $230 million. Mm -hmm. I believe it was 118 guaranteed. I could be wrong. Uh, Very incentive-based contract, but Lamar wants full guarantees. He wants basically everything. No matter what happens, he's going to get his bag. And for a franchise that has failed to build around him and that traded your 
wide receiver Hollywood Brown to the Arizona Cardinals. Yep. And his best receiver he's ever had. Yeah. I mean, once again, I'm going to say it. Devin Duvernay is your number two receiver from Texas, and he's just a, he's just supposed to be a return specialist. Yeah. yeah really. That's the Duvernay's best thing is a punt and return specialist, and. The Ravens got to figure out what to do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a weird situation. They so they they brought in Todd Munkin from Georgia as their offensive coordinator. Munkin was there since 2020. Was you know turned a seventh ranked offense in the Big 12 into a top two offense. Or sorry, SEC. SEC. Excuse me. You're good. Um, and also coached in Tampa Bay in 16 to 18 as an offensive coordinator. Cleveland 2019 before going to Georgia. Uh, I'd like to hear your opinions. I have some strong opinions about him specifically, but I want to hear what you have to say. I will say that as an OC, I have no problems with him. Tampa had a pretty insane passing offense those years uh, with, you know, turnover-prone Jameis mm-hmm. Winston. That team could have honestly made the playoffs if it wasn't for Jameis Winston turning the ball over, you know, 30, 30 times. <laughs> yeah, but it's a good offensive system there that was built in Tampa, and I remember that because that was back when I used to watch football, you know, heavy in depth. Yeah. And it was always a very air-raid attack. The dirt cutter Buccaneers. Very air-raid attack. Weird era. But that's kind of what worries me because, you know, Winston had Godwin and Mike Evans and a couple random tight ends that were good. Yeah. And who are you going to throw to in this offense? I agree. Yeah. It's also very – everything – I mean, obviously this is like a statement that's true anywhere, but it relies a lot on a strong offensive line. Mm-hmm. So while I think it's – I personally think it's a good hire – I just think the Ravens need to consider the or concern themselves more with locking up Lamar long term and getting some weapons. Definitely, I, th- their number one priority should be a wide receiver. J.K. Dobbins and Mark Andrews are good at their positions, and their O line is good. It's not the best, but it's good. And I will say with Munkin, if Lamar comes back, I'm confident that he will be good. He can build an offense, like you said. The Jameis Winston offense was not a that wasn't the problem of the team. When he has this quarterback set up, he can do it, and he can do it fine. Baker Mayfield took a little bit. He didn't develop under Munkin, I guess, is the problem. And that's my big problem is that I don't think quarterbacks are going to develop that well under him. Mm-hmm. Stetson Bennett did, which I'll give him at Georgia, but he didn't turn any quarterback into a star. Bennett was good. Shouldn't have been a Heisman. Bennett was also placed in the greatest spot anybody else could have been placed. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't think he's got the chops to develop a quarterback from not a star into a star. And if they don't get Lamar, this might be the team that drafts Anthony Richardson. I'm not confident Munkin's the guy and alongside Harbaugh to make them a star. I'm, you know, and that's, I was actually honestly going to ask you that. Like, what has Harbaugh done recently? Recently? What has Harbaugh done? He's been a coach that consistently gets his team to the playoffs. He consistently gets them to the playoffs. I'll give you that. But, like, when when it, like, post Ray Lewis, you haven't done anything. Yeah, I mean, they haven't gotten past the divisional since they won the Super Bowl, which is 2012. 2012. So, like, I, I don't think Harbaugh, Harbaugh, similar to Tomlin, is Tomlin is not on the hot seat at all. But there are some question marks about him when you have a guy who is an MVP and is, even if you don't like Lamar Jackson, you have to say he's a top 10 quarterback. And you're making him unhappy his whole career. And like, like JC said, I don't get why Lamar gets hate. He has given Baltimore his all, and they've not helped him. They've just franchise tagged him. They've never given him good wide receivers. Yeah. Stop with the franchise tag. We're about next year. Yeah. So they should resign him, and it should work well with Munkin, and I think they're going to be better with him. But if they don't, I'm not confident at all. I agree. I I mean, if I'm Jackson, hell yeah, I'm getting the bag because I'm selling myself on every single play, and I'm just running out there, and I'm willing to get knocked up, which he has been quite a few times. So if 
injuries an actual legit, legitimate concern for Jackson, which with his playing style, it definitely is. It definitely has to be. I approve of him going and getting his bag. I do too, and he he deserves it. Like no quarterback this offseason, I don't care if you talk about even the rookies like Young and Stroud, are guys that I'd rather have than Lamar Jackson on my team. So yeah. I, th- I think that's just well, also like Young and Stroud aren't an option. They're not going to. Yeah, exactly. So who, I think who are you going to take, Henderson Hooker? Like <laughs> that's that would be an interesting one. Yeah. I think we're both in the kind of same boat of Munkin, probably good. There's a lot of question marks around this but one. But if he gets it signed, it, it could work. Yeah, I do think, yeah. yeah. And so Carolina is, I think, the next team we're going to go to. Frank Reich, who had been coaching the Colts for the last four and a half seasons, positive record with them, one and two in the playoffs. I think the Colts just needed a big reset when they fired him this year, and that was fair. But he also did deserve another chance, and he's getting that in Carolina and building a pretty star-studded staff, which is right away what I'll say is no matter what, I think he's building a good staff from the start, which makes me a little more confident. Uh, Yeah, and so that's why, like, this is actually the one that I've sat on the longest is I like Frank Reich. I think he's a good dude. I just don't think he ever actually had a legitimate quarterback in Indy. Yeah. You know? And they played carousel with him for his whole time. His entire time, but he still got him to the playoffs once or next, twice, right? Twice. He yes, got him to the playoffs yeah, yeah. twice. Carson Wentz was making, I don't know, two completions away from getting them to the playoffs the third time. Yeah. Uh, and then this year there's all this expectations of Matt Ryan doing this. One for Matt Ryan to realize, oh, I'm really old, and I've also just never been good at finishing, just completely fail, fall flat on his face. Matt Ryan, that wasn't the Matt Ryan they were supposed to get. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor, injury bug kind of got him this year. Yeah. Just a bad year. I think this season was just a bad luck for the Colts. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate that Reich lost his job, but also he's going to Carolina where what – what are you doing? To yeah. get a quarterback, you know? There's not much like, going on in Carolina. You traded picks. You have two guys, or you did have two guys in Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield on the roster. You still owe Darnold a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's not a great spot to be in. Uh, what I will say is... But it's a good hire. I think I think with this Panthers team, I, some people are big fans of the don't draft quarterback until you have a good roster around him. I think this is a team that should be trying to get their quarterback right away. DJ Moore is a good enough wide receiver that it'll help a guy get through his growing pains. And they don't have so bad of a defense where I'm like, his, he's just always going to be, you know, no help. His team's not never going to help him at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I will say with Reich is he just, like you said, he had a year of Andrew Luck, and that's what he was brought in to play around, and he suddenly retired. That's not Reich's fault that Andrew Luck retired. And then he had Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. None of them were good for him. And I don't think he did so poor in coaching that he deserved – to be fired, I, I think it made sense for the Colts to move on from him. What I'll say is, I think Chris Ballard is one of the most incompetent D- GMs in the con- or in the country in the league, and he's still he's still got his job, and he has hurt this Colts team a lot. And he said he really likes Will Levis, which does not make me uh, confident for their future. And we'll talk about them a little later as well with their head coaching hires. But I think Frank Reich kind of gives this is not even the comparison's not close, mm-hmm. but it's kind of the mini version of it of Andy Reid leaving Philadelphia, where he just kind of, they, both teams needed a reset. Philadelphia needed a reset from Reid. He'd give them some good years. Frank Reich, obviously not on the level of Andy Reid. And then he goes to the Chiefs, gets his quarterback, has a great staff around him, 
creates a contender. I'm not going to say it's going to happen for the Panthers, but if he finds a guy he likes at quarterback, I think he's a good enough coach that he can make this happen. And I will say that the NFC South is, now that Brady's gone, so open. now that the Saints don't have a quarterback, now that the Falcons, what the hell's going on there? I don't know. You know the Falcons are my pick to win it next year, pre-free agency. You right? know what? They probably should be. <laughs> they probably should be. This division is wide open. Yeah, definitely. And this division will not be a legit contender for probably three years, two yeah. or three years. So. Yeah. so either way, if you can if you can bring in a quarterback and have him win some games early, that's huge for your confidence. Yeah. And what's what's their pick this year in the draft? Do oh, you know well, I'm not chance? quite sure. I, I'll look it up as we start to transition to the next as one. So you'll have a lot of As we start to transition, uh, this one is going to be super biased and super um, <laughs> not stat friendly. Ninth pick overall. And Ninth then pick two is, seconds. You're going to have to trade up to get a quarterback. Yeah. I agree. You're going to trade, and I don't. But they they own two seconds and two and a third and an extra fourth this year, so they have the ability to trade up this year. I mean, also like I think they have like San Francisco's like future first rounder as well for next year too. I think it's a future second. Future I, don't, second. I don't think they got a first. I think you got to trade it then too. Yeah. I mean, do what you have to do to, move, to put yourself in the top three this yeah, year. Yeah. If, if you if you trade McCaffrey and don't capitalize off of it, then it's a big problem. Because you know Philly, I feel Philly is definitely be willing to trade down. Yeah. Um. It's very so. Open. I think very even open. like a team like the Bears might trade down. So there, I've heard, I've heard a lot of talk about that. Yeah. So we'll see what that happens, and then I will let JC take full reins on the Sean Payton Denver Broncos hiring with his <sighs> Saints losing out on their greatest coach ever. <laughs> so the Denver Broncos uh, came to an agreement with the New Orleans Saints, where they traded Sean Payton, and they're doing uh, the New Orleans third rounder as well to the Broncos for the, their first rounder this year. And a second rounder in 2024. Um, if you're the Denver Broncos, this was the smartest move. This is the W of the offseason. Yep. You know, a lot of people criticize Sean Payton, like, yeah, what'd he ever do? He won one Super Bowl. He did that with a undersized six foot nothing quarterback, <laughs> probably 5'10 and 5'11 in reality, who was told in 2006 he was probably never gonna play again. Uh, after he suffered just an insane shoulder throw, takes Drew Brees, who, you know, there was not a lot of question marks about him back in his time in the Chargers when he played there for those few years, uh, like three or four years. He takes Drew Brees and makes him a top three passer of all time. Drew Brees threw for over 5,000 yards five different times. They have some of the worst playoff luck ever in NFL <laughs> yep. history, the New Orleans Saints, and that's not me saying that bias. That's just... Look at any video. It's pretty funny, the ways that we lose. Well, I was just going to say, and he should have been in another Super Bowl with Drew Brees at the mm-hmm. end of his career when Brees was 39 in 2018. Yeah, and yeah, once again, Brees was 39. And then even then, the year after, we still were in the divisional till, till that MF Jared Cook fumbled the, <laughs> fumbled the ball and killed our, killed our scoring drive against the Buccaneers. Yeah. Like, that, and that, was, that was the end. <laughs> that was the end, yeah. But Sean Payton is a brilliant head coach. He knows so much, and, you know, a lot of head coaches and a lot of the people that are in these positions, Dennis Allen came because he got fired from being a head coach, and now he's a head coach, and Sean Payton taught him that. Sean Payton gave him that role. Dan Campbell is from New Orleans, all right? Uh, The quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator for the Chargers, I believe, are both products of Mm -hmm. this Sean Payton tree. Um, Oh, my gosh. Uh, It's Joe Lombardi. Joe Lombardi. Escaping me. Escaping me. You're good. Yeah. Sean Payton, yeah, I think he's a great developer. I think he can help a lot of guys succeed. I'd be excited. Yeah. And if yeah. you're Russell Wilson, because you had a fantastic coach in Pete Carroll, mm-hmm. but you got a slight upgrade, and you have a great defense, a fantastic Broncos defense, 
it was pretty good. It was pretty good defense. Yeah, good defense. But I was also I was doing a little face when he said upgrade on Pete Carroll. I'm not was. gonna argue it. I'm not gonna argue I think it. I think it's an upgrade on Pete Carroll, but we can worry about that later. I'm happy for Denver. I'm upset that we lost Sean, but also he gave us everything, so he deserves to leave on his own accord. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the things that you have to really talk about, no matter what you say, Sean Payton was the best head coach that got hired this offseason. The real problem is you, you had to give up a first and a second round pick, which is tough. But I'm pretty sure most people in the league would get trade for a top 10, top 5 coach and for one first rounder in a second. You know, oh no, you lose your first this year. Payton is so good at developing players. And he, I'm just... Think about his track record of players that are all pro level that he's created. I mean, Thomas Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, kind of from nothing. Cameron Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore had great offensive lines. Ron Armstead, <laughs> some Ryan Ramchuk, Ramchuk. Yep. Yeah. They, I mean, that was the best offensive line in the league for a season or two. So this is this is a coach that can Eric develop Boy. players. Yeah. What I'm really excited for with this guy is the offensive weapons that. Russell Wilson has around him that aren't, boy Jerry Judy they aren't, sta- they aren't stars they're not stars let's just say that but you have Javante Williams who's been hyped up for two years had, had injury problems could break out Jerry Judy same exact thing had injury problems hasn't quite broken out Greg Dolchich was a, probably the best rookie tight end last year mm-hmm. could be really really underrated offense under him because Russell Wilson finally has a guru next to him that can help him out and I think I think Russell Wilson isn't done but he's washed up I think no matter what I don't you think say, he's done though I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think, think done. Russ is done. No matter what you say, he is has taken way too far of a hit, in my opinion, to recover to the level he's been at. But he should be a middle-of-the-road to top 12 quarterback next year under him. And I think that gives you a chance to be better than at least the Raiders in your conference. I don't think they're better than the other two teams, but that's just in one year. I think they could be better than the Chargers, though. I don't think so. I think there's question marks about the Chargers. Coaching, definitely, but I, I still don't think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, because, I mean, yeah, you're never playing for first place in this conference or, no. or in this division. You're just playing for that second wild card. That's all you're doing. And that's why I think they're so fine with giving up a 23 first because say that 23 first turns into a good player. The Chiefs still have Mahomes for all this time and Travis Kelsey. The real window for the— They've for got, that, like, six years left of the Mahomes-Kelsey duo. The window for the West is when Kelsey retires, and if that's in three years, that's when you have to strike. That's when you make a big free agency, make a big trade. Right now, just play it safe. Maybe find your quarterback replacement for Russell Wilson next year in the draft. But right now, you can play it safe and hope that your your players who need to develop develop. We're really on the same page. Today on I these. think we are. Yeah, I think uh, I, like I think we we're both kind of see this. Yeah, I think we're on the same page on the next one with Steichen. Um, the, no, no, the no. Goals. We got to oh. Texans first. Oh yes, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas. Um, I think this is a fantastic hire. Oh yeah, I don't need this one. I don't even want to talk about that much. D'Amico Ryan's former 49ers defense coordinator deserves the job. Ivy, obviously the 49ers are very talented players, mm-hmm. but um, oh my gosh, who is the defensive coordinator? Salah. Salah. Look at him. He's turned the Jets, or he's on the process of turning the Jets around. Yeah, if, if not for a quarterback, this team would be a lot better. Yeah, like they are on their way. Uh, um, they didn't have the real offensive rookie of the year, though. That was Chris Olave. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the Jets have turned it around. Salah has done a fantastic job. So there's no reason to think D'Amico Ryans can't do it. And I'll just say it. He's a. He was a better defensive coordinator than Salah was. I know Salah got a lot of love. I agree completely. Th- he was a he was a great defensive coordinator, and I know it's, it wasn't all of Salah's fault that they had Nick Mullins playing in twenty twenty. That uh, that defense wasn't going to succeed with Nick, Mull- Nick Mullins being the quarterback. Okay, but, but also, like you also survived through three quarterbacks too. Yes, yeah, and the 49ers, and you never lost a beat because of the defense is always there. But yeah, it's just he's developed some really good defensive players, and mm-hmm. no matter what. This Texan seems probably going to have to be built on defense anyway. So you bring him in, and hopefully he finds a quarterback this year. I, I'd, I'd want them to. But also, 
If they take Will Anderson, imagine Will Anderson with a guy like D'Amico Ryan's coaching him. That would be crazy. Yeah, and then what you also put down here, which I really liked, is that they bought, brought in Bobby Slowick to be the offensive coordinator. He was a 49ers passing game coordinator. It makes kind you of wonder. The, kind of the guy below Mike McDaniel. Makes you wonder. Yeah, makes you wonder. And this 49ers passing game with not good quarterbacks has been pretty consistently good for a little bit of time. And they're also a team that's inventive with their passing game. A lot of guys who, you know, move around a lot, a lot of yak, yards after catch, and I don't think it's any at all a good offense. It's not at all a good offense. Let's just say that. But uh, obviously, yeah. Mechie, <laughs> Nico Collins, Damian Pierce have some upside, and hopefully he can unlock that a little bit. Hopefully I mean, one of those guys, one or two of those guys, are long term I mean, starters. Mechie's been out for what two years now? A year? Year and like a half. Year I and a half. So which, that's gonna be a little bit tough to come back to. Yeah, but what I'm saying is this is a lot. This is a team that. There's very few teams apart from like you know Cardinals, Panthers that need more of a long, or probably the Colts actually that need a longer term rebuild than the than the Texans and I like this hire. I think that's I, that's all I want to say for this. I one. think it's a great hire. I think it's great. Um, side note before we move on to the next one, if you're the Texans GM, who are you drafting? Because I'm taking Bryce Young. Yeah, I'm I'm of the opinion that you need to take the quarterback. Even, even if even if you're on love with the quarterback, unless you really think that the, that Carter Anderson will be. Like Jadavian Clowney. Well, Jadavian Clowney was a failure. That yeah. that's okay. Kind of, Miles Garrett. How about yeah, that? unless you think you're really going to get a perennial five time in a row all NFL player from them, you got to take a quarterback and just have them have this be their their team. I mean, yeah, you're nothing. You're nothing without a quarterback. Yeah, so yeah, and and like, do you really want Davis Mills out there, even just for ticket sales? <laughs> Either way, I I agree. I think a quarterback should be good. And. I think the UT Houston game, if they move it to NRG, could potentially sell more than a Houston Texans game. That's probably true. It definitely is, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's move on to the next one, where I wrote the Indy Colts, and then I wrote the (laughs) Lack. Sorry. We had to to change. The the reason I said the Colts is because he didn't highlight the Texans on our sheet. JC had some weird formatting this episode. JC was also doing this during class. Yeah, that's fair. Don't knock it. (laughs) Well, Colts got Shane Steichen, who was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. I'll just say it, the better coordinator for the Eagles. Real. Um, I'm more of a fan of this. I just hate the Colts' future, but it's a probably a pretty good hire. What, what do you think of it? Same. Yeah. Literally, I think it's, literally same. He did such a fantastic job helping develop with the Hurts. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, Steichen, who has a better track record in developing than Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts? Because he was there for Herbert's rookie year. He did Herbert, too? Yes, because he was he was there in 2020 when Herbert, Herbert, mm. Herbert wasn't supposed to start, and that was probably his decision. He comes in unprepared, and Steichen masterclasses him. Moves to Philadelphia, turns a fourth round pick in Jalen Hurts into a Super Bowl level quarterback. So, this guy's got. I did not realize Sykin was Herbert's. Yeah. Coach, so you you take a very very promising guy, and he'd been on the Chargers for a while. He was there during Philip Rivers' time, uh, and this is just a guy that I'm very excited for. I think is good. In my opinion, should not take Will Levis. In my opinion, should trade Jonathan Taylor. That's not here or there. I but, agree. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter also comes in, favorite name in the NFL, um, so good. to be the offensive coordinator. Was also a guy who helped out with Hurts in 2021 as kind of an offensive consultant. Helped the Jags passing game in 2022, which is, we talked about this when Chris Jackson went to the uh, Texas Longhorns. Oh, the Jags are hurting, bro. But they're, they're hurting, they're but hurting. also, that's two guys who we both are very big fans of because of how well that passing game looked compared to the year before. He turned a, a really mediocre team's passing, some medi- really mediocre players like Jay- Zay Jones and Christian Kirk. Evan and Ingram. Evan Ingram. Evan and Ingram. now they're pretty good players, and Jim Bob Cooter's a big responsibility for that. I and like these hires a the lot. best name. Exactly. Yeah. No, I agree. I think um, – I do think you need to trade Taylor, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think you there's, there's no window in which he'll be good in that you're going to be competing. No. You're going to have a great offensive line, so yeah. that's good. Your quarterback will be Trade to the Bills. Let the Bills have fun with him. But I want to see Bijan on the Bills. 
Either way, the Bills need a good running back. The, want, the Bills need another weapon. I want, I want Bijan in Philly. Ugh. No, dude. Like imagine it would him, go. It would go well for him. Imagine but that's him gross. getting taken in the top ten. That would be. That'd cool. be awesome. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That's anyway. that's going right on the Instagram story. Oh, dude, either way, I, I would probably become an Eagles fan. I would. I would. <laughs> well, I, hate the I have no reason to support my team. So yeah, I've got point. nothing going for me. Chargers. We've talked about them a little bit. Back. Talked about some coordinators. Kellen Moore transfers same position from the Cowboys. What do you think about this? I'm I'm curious. It's such a mid move. Mm, yeah, it's such a mediocre move. <laughs> Kellen Moore's ceiling was two years ago. His peak was two years ago when everyone's like, oh, he wasn't good enough to be a quarterback, but he's he a guru. He's got the brain. Yeah, a, he's a guru. If he's a guru, then why can't you make it past the second round? Yeah. Like, I think that just... And, and also, I want to say with the Cowboys, sorry to interrupt. You're good. The problem was also that the creativity on the offense was a problem. And was. there was not, the play calling wasn't great, and McCarthy is now like, oh, I'm going to play call. And that's never a good thing. Real, real. Yeah, I mean, if I'm the Chargers, like... You're just moving mediocre to mediocre. Mm-hmm. And, and if anything, you're stunting the development of Justin Herbert. Maybe it will work out getting this new fresh face and this new fresh offense. But, I mean, obviously they have all the weapons to where, where it can be successful. But I don't I don't love the move. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's just – it seems very lateral. In my opinion, Brandon Staley is more of the problem for the Chargers than it was Joe Lombardi. I agree completely. So I, I, think, I think his general game planning – I think planning, Lombardi's a great coach, so yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, and just in general, I think the game planning from, from Staley has been pretty weak, pretty stale. Um – I don't think Kellen Moore is going to change that much. I do think Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert, like, they're similar kind of guys, it seems. So maybe they just mesh really well. But this is he's going to have to s- kind of pull out some stops we haven't seen for me to really be convinced by this. It's just one of those moves where I give, like, a B-. minus. I just don't really care. So, yeah, I mean, JC, you have anything else to say? Not on that one. Okay. Uh, we got the – who got him next? Dol- Dolphins, which is a big one. They got Vic Fangio. Christ, we have um, so many more. Yeah, we listen, we'll, we'll go through this one. <laughs> we'll go through the three that we have right here before the before the last big one. Vic Fangio, not a great head coach, amazing defensive coordinator, was great on defense when he was coaching the Broncos. I love this move. You said it. Yeah. 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 But, like, the Miami Dolphins are going to be – a top five team in the NFL next year. At worst, if this team is in a top five defense with McDaniel as their offensive coordinator and Vic Fangio as their oh, defensive coordinator, this, team gonna be mean. this go- team's going to be mean. No, this team's going to be dirty. Uh, a team that I think, you know, similar to your Sean Payton rant, I'll go on my little Brian Flores mini rant. Uh, he he was the special like assistant for, for the Steelers, the Steelers yeah. and he had been, in my opinion, kind of unfairly taken out of the Dolphins team. We don't really know what happened behind the scenes. I like McDaniel as a coach now, so it's kind of people forgot about this. But Brian Flores should have been at least a defensive coordinator last year. And he went to the Steelers. Steelers defense improved. And he is just a guy that Mike Tomlin praises a lot. And I think one of them, I think apart from Belichick, Tomlin's probably the voice that people respect most in the league. So he knew he was going to get a job this next year. And Vikings defense is atrocious. And it's going to be better with him, in my opinion. Uh, The Dolphins defense was pretty good under him. And the Steelers defense got better. I think he's just a really stand-up guy, it seems like, and the Vikings really needed to change something about their team. They're probably also going to drop Dalvin Cooks, probably cut him, get a new running back. This Vikings Thank team God. is going to have to do some work to really to get out of that good Maybe regular okay. season, not good in the playoff team. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I completely agree. I think Tomlin, Tomlin for me, I if someone is a defensive coordinator of Tomlin or a defensive disciple of Tomlin, mm-hmm. you hire that guy. Yeah, usually. You, you hire that guy. It's like it's like a Belichick defensive because people really forget how talented Bill Belichick is as a, as like oh, a defensive yeah. game baller. Game caller. Yeah, like, it's still his strength. It is his strength, but people like really forget that because they get so lost in the Brady thing. Mm-hmm. But if Tomlin or Belichick has these guys, you go get these guys. Mm-hmm. Brian Flores, 
he was a little bit of a scapegoat in Miami. Yeah. Yeah, you know, definitely. we don't know why he got fired. We don't know. There is so much that we'll never know about all that. Yeah. And he fired. He filed a lawsuit. Tomlin was the only one brave enough to hire him and bring him back in. And he's going to be great in Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. But they do need a draft. Yeah. They do need a draft a linebacker. And they, they should need definitely some help get some in help in the secondary. secondary. Yeah. yeah. I'm nice. so glad we both know. We, we are so on today. <laughs> Dude, I'm Harrison so glad we the only guy in that secondary. Yeah, they they just need help everywhere on that defense. That's not great. It's yeah. really just Kendricks and, and Harrison Smith that's just holding mm. together by a thread. Yeah. So, yeah. New England Patriots. Bill bad hire, bad hire, bad hire. Bad hire. I think I'm more positive on it than bad you hire. are. But I will say this. This year in Alabama did kind of put a little sour taste in my mouth because the offense got worse and yeah. there was not much help for Bryce Young. Yeah. Well, so. Yeah. So, um, sorry if you guys wouldn't even say it. Uh, so, Steve Sarkeesian's little, little son, little boy, Bill O'Brien. <laughs> Uh, got hired back, former offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. Now coming back into the Patriots after he got exiled from the NFL for a few years. Yeah, he got put on timeout. He's back. He in. was a pretty awful GM when he was the GM. He was terrible. Yeah, he terrible. I am concerned that he's not going to value his players correctly because of that. But yeah. this this Patriots offense needs some help either way. So. It's so stale. I and, hope um, they keep Stevenson as the lead back because he's was it Patricia he, was calling this. Well, I think so. Yeah, I think well, Matt Patricia was calling for them. Either way, now. Mac Jones needs some help. Alabama guy. Maybe that helps. I don't know if that's a thing. I like Stevenson. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I think Stevenson doesn't need to be truly back. But, like, I'm, like, racking my brain right now. Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar. Those are the only wide receivers on this team, really. That's not great. Yeah, no. Tyquan Thornton, kind of just a track star more than anything. Yeah, I remember. It's yeah. it's not really – it's a team that should draft a wide receiver, in my opinion. But, but also, know, it's the New England Patriots. They don't draft offensive weapons. They, they draft weird positions every single they, – they, they always have the most questionable picks. Sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. So Big B, the type of guy to take, like, an off-ball linebacker with, like, the third yeah. overall pick. Yeah, he would, he would yeah. do that. Yeah. From, like, Kansas State. Kennesaw? Kennesaw. I like that. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking maybe like Fordham, but... Yeah. yeah. yeah a little Fordham. Marshall. A little Marshall. Yeah, Marshall. Actually. Ooh, we are. Okay. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Here's the big one. The one that's made my friends back home, you know where I'm from, very happy. Eric Bieniemy to the Commanders. What a hire. What a hire. Dude, I think... I think he just got so pissed he never got hired <laughs> He's anywhere just so else. mad. I think he was just so mad he never got hired. He's so upset. Bieniemy... Which is so... I'm not going to use the bad word for it, but it's so unfair. He deserved a head coaching spot, no matter what. I don't. He's I know. I know. He deserved one the last three. Yeah, years. Yeah, I, I know the interview stuff has been kind of going around, but there's no way he's such a bad interviewer that teams won't give him any shot. But then the commanders, the second they hear he's on the board, is they take him. I mean, good for them. Yeah, good for them. Unfortunately, he doesn't have a quarterback to work with, and. Yeah, he doesn't have a quarterback to work. He does not have a lot to work with. There, there. He's a got a great that, running back. This is a team I really want to get Jimmy G for because mm. I think I'm higher on Jimmy oh, G than okay. average. Because Jimmy G for me is a very good, not very good, good he's, enough regular he's a system QB. He's a good enough regular season quarterback that if you give him a guy like Bieniemy and have a guy like Rivera who's great at kind of keeping the morale good on that team, Rivera is definitely a very good person coach, very a people coach. Everyone likes him, and you give Garoppolo an interesting running back core. It's two, three very good receivers, in I my opinion. I think it's a good running back I think, court. yeah, it's 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 good enough, is, good is my opinion. You add McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel, good receiver That's court. That's mean. That's good. That's Dotson mean. in the second year is going to be good. Hopefully a guy like Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid in the draft. And that's an offense that I'm happy with, I think. Oh, I agree. I mean, the commanders were only a competent quarterback away from competing. Yeah. This is a team that's only, what is it now, two seasons removed from beating in the playoffs and having – 
Taylor Heine. <laughs> uh, he almost beating Tom Brady yeah, in the going, playoffs, no, by I was, the way. Sorry, I got distracted. That was my point. Yeah. Going toe-to-toe with Tom Brady the year they won the Super Bowl. Mm. Like, the commanders really are only a couple stops away from being a competitive team, especially in the NFC East, where I do think now I expect a drop-off next year with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. I I expect, well, we didn't even talk about their offense. I expect the higher. Giants to have a little bit of a drop-off too, which yeah. a lot of people might not see. I could see a drop-off in the Giants next year. It does feel like we were seeing Daniel Jones maybe over overperforming. I'm not sure how true that is, but either way, um, I, we didn't even talk about the Cowboys. So I'm just going to go over quickly. Brian Schottenheimer, just a nepotism guy. I'll just say it. But <laughs> Real. Yeah. Uh, either way, uh, I think it's like it, it's it, this enemy hire is something that is also for the future that I don't think we're going to see Ron Rivera be coaching this team in two years. In my opinion, Biennemi should be giving this year as an offensive coordinator and instantly made the head coach because this guy's just that good. And Rivera, as much as he's a good guy, good coach, he is not going to win you your Super Bowl, in my opinion. At least not at this point in his career. And As a defensive coordinator, probably. Yeah, maybe. I, but it's not going to be with this team. And I think no. is going to want to bring in his guys. And this is a team that they, have, they, they are a team that could trade up to get a quarterback. I don't think they will. But Biennemi might maybe take a little bit of a flyer, late-round kind of guy, because you'd have, in theory, a free agent, then Heineke or Wentz, and then have a guy behind them to develop. I'm I'm not a big Hennon Hooker, Max Duggan fan, but maybe one of those guys. Someone who's had success in college, and then they get an amazing Max offensive coordinator. Duggan? I don't think I don't think he's gonna be good. But okay. I'm saying take the flyer. Okay. Take yeah. a chance. Say I was like, there's because because no right now they're running out with Sam Howell, which I don't really think I, some some of my friends really like Sam Howell. Not the guy for me, in my opinion. He had one good game against in Week 17 against the Cowboys. He's got upside to him. I don't think he's the long term plan, and I think if anything, give him competition. But this is just a hire that I really like, and I hope he's a co- head coach by next season. I agree completely. And also, like, the problem with drafting an NFL quarterback is. Unless they're, like, the surefire number one pick, even that's not always a guarantee. Mm-hmm. I'd say, like, one in every nine QBs are good hits in the draft. Yeah. One in every I, seven. I saw, I, for, I saw a um, shout-out uh, Brett Coleman on YouTube and, and Twitter and all that. He's he's a great NFL draft analyst, and he made a great video about just how much these players, they kind of they, they hit after even as highly touted as they are, first-round picks, top ten guys. It's just hard to get a good quarterback in the league. It's so hard But you do need to take the shot because so quarterbacks hard. win championships, and – I'll pound that in. Like that's that's just always going to be true in my opinion, and I think that's always going to be something that is going to win you a championship every year. Wait, so Evan, are you saying that that's your bang? Oh, you dang did it! The wrong I hit the wrong set. Wait, Evan, are you saying that lock of the week? <laughs> I really hope these do translate because if they don't, we're oh, gonna sound be so, so dumb. It'll be so funny. Either way, either way, that's my lock. That's my lock. You should draft quarterbacks. Last thing that? before we go to break, where's Derek Carr going? Oh God, um, uh, uh, uh mm. he is going to. God, this is so on the spot. Man. Yeah, yeah. I'll say the Saints. That's too easy of an answer, but I think it's the Saints. I think it is. Yeah. God, I hope not. Sorry. I hope he goes to the oh, Jets. Voice crack. It's probably better for his career if he goes to the Jets, if I'm being honest. Oh, definitely. We are a, a an abyss to go to now. <laughs> an abyss. We are like, we need to let Cam Jordan leave. Yeah. Yeah. Let we, all the fun people go somewhere else. Except like Marjan. They keep Olave, too. Yeah. yeah. I would just keep all the, all the Ohio State boys. <laughs> just all me and all the Ohio State boys. Yeah, just your guys, your yeah. homies. Me and Michael Thomas. Well, speaking of people that... Have connections to Ohio State. Um, that's that's the that's a bad one. No, LeBron James uh, is from Akron and supports Ohio State. 
in the D block because it is our 23rd episode, our Jordan episode. We are going to be discussing Jordan LeBron after a quick little break for us. You guys won't have too much of a break, but we will be discussing who we think the GOAT is. We'll, we'll, we'll give all the criteria, and we'll also do some just general discussion after it. This has already been a long episode. It's going to be longer. Just deal with it. <laughs> we'll see you in a second. Nice. Hey, guys. We're back. <laughs> that was a weird little transition JC just did. Either way, like we said, it's our Jordan episode, so we are doing a little bit of a GOAT debate. Uh, for those who don't know, GOAT, greatest of all time, the acronym. This is probably the sport where there's the most competition and the one where you can't say there's one to find. You know, hockey's got Gretzky. Go to baseball. What? Go to baseball. Oh. Uh, best all-around player, definitely Willie Mays, but probably Babe Ruth. Uh, I'm going to go Lou Gehrig. Interesting. Either way. Uh, so, that, okay, we'll give you we'll give baseball a, also part of this. But Jordan LeBron, pretty unanimously the top two right now. And LeBron, obviously, just broke the scoring title, has longevity. We'll just go through a little bit of the accolades. Michael Jordan, 10-time scoring champ, 6-time champion, and finals MVP, 6-for-6. 9-time All-Defense, 11-time All-NBA, Defensive Player of the Year, Averaged 30 points per game in his career, 6, 5, 2, and 1, 2 being the steals, two, 6 being the rebounds. LeBron James. What was his assists in his career? Do you know that? About five. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So his, his passing was not on the level. We'll, we'll get into this. Uh, LeBron, one-time scoring champ, four-times NBA champion and finals MVP out of 10 total, zero-time all-defense, 18-time all-NBA, one-time assist champion, 27, 7.5, 7, 1.5, seven, one, one for his stats. Uh, MVPs, I don't have them written down, but I believe Michael Jordan is at five, LeBron's at four. Correct. But I, if I'm being honest, and, and I've talked about this with JC off camera, in my opinion, MVPs and All-Stars are kind of a stupid way to measure players of this caliber. because are dumb. Because, well, MVP has fever, like, you know, MVP fever. LeBron probably should have won more in his career. And All-Stars, it's just more of a popularity contest it's than anything. It's, it's, it's who's, who's popular. So, obviously, the greatest players of all time are going to be voted in. Either way... This is a very big topic and kind of hard. Where do, where do you start with this, basically? I want to know what you're, where you start with this debate and where you lean originally. Oh, God. And also LeBron, all-time scoring champ. That's also a pretty important one. <laughs> oh, I mean... That's probably his main argument, if anything. I, I mean, the argument is longev- long, longevity. Mm-hmm. Longevity is the argument to be made here mm-hmm. because if you're doing it that way... If it's longevity, there's no argument. There's no one else doing what LeBron does. No. Especially at 38 years old, to still be this good, putting, what, I think he's averaging 28 points this season yeah, or like eight assists. something crazy. It's obscene. And nobody's talking about it because of how dog the Lakers are. Yep. And that's okay. Yeah, but 38 and, eight, eight and a half and seven. You can knock him all you want for going to Miami, but he had nothing in Cleveland. Mm. He had Nothing. Who was the guy you just? Zadrinus Elgalsius was the yeah. second best player. Just a little pasty guy. Yeah, yeah. and the pasty. Little's not the word I'd use to describe yeah, he's like him. Seven foot. Never mind. He's yeah. Seven like three, I think. Anderson Verge out. Yeah, you know, like another big guy. LeBron Daniel had Gibson. <laughs> no help beginning nope. of his career. I was cool with him going to Miami. I was like ten. I didn't care. I didn't mm. know what Miami was. Yeah, I mean, he never should have lost to Dirk. Because that was the best finals performance of all time. Yep. That never should have happened. Uh, if you're forming a super team, you got to win every year. Um, and that will always tarnish his legacy more than anything that Jordan did, in my opinion. I agree. I think that the knock on LeBron's legacy isn't isn't going, him going to L.A. Because he was rightfully allowed to leave for L.A. after he won Cleveland a title. Yeah, his knock is him going to Miami. But when he goes to Miami, what does he do? He becomes the league's greatest supervillain ever. Yep. He becomes and then so insanely good. And came back full circle to people loving him again. Yeah, because then he went to Cleveland. You know, I'll do it if nobody else will. Cleveland, this is for you. 
So he did that. He had the greatest block in NBA history. Yes. He has some of those clutch shots in NBA history. He has a ridiculous amount of game winners. He's the owner of the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't knock the worst thing you can say about this guy's game is his defense. But also, he's an old head. Back in the 2010s, <laughs> he head. was there defensively. Yeah. He was on top of it. No, Le- that's that's not a question. LeBron is single-handedly, I would argue, the most athletic player of all time. The athletic sports, at, like, at, just the most athletic person ever. Maybe. I mean, he could probably play in the NFL if he wanted yeah, to. Yeah, why not? We'll let him out there. Yeah, I would. I am a LeBron believer. <laughs> I, I I love I love LeBron James. Yeah, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I love LeBron James. I mean, who cares? But I also have an incredible amount of respect for Michael Jordan mm-hmm. because you know Tim Duncan was, you know, if stupid Greg Popovich hadn't pulled him out of the game. He was one rebound away from having also going six and zero in the finals. Yeah. So that's just my point, and also. Jordan also had a super team, though. But his was, like, a homegrown kind of one. Yeah. Yeah. Rodman was the only one they brought in. Yeah. People forget how good those Bulls were. I mean, you had... I mean, Pippen's a Hall of Famer, but also, you know, Wade's a Hall of Famer. Anthony Davis is a... Chris When when Anthony Davis was playing on that Lakers team, he was playing as good as Hall of Famers play. Oh, I agree. Uh... I think I'll do I'll do my little Jordan. They, they both had help. Yes, they had help. I think that that shouldn't be an argument that sways it too much. I'll do my little Jordan argument because I think the thing with Jordan is that his uh, one of the main tarnishes is that I don't know how people value everyone values certain things differently. LeBron being four for ten, four four out of ten, is a problem. It's pretty funny. But also he got to ten, which is a fair argument. Eight he straight. He got there. Eight straight. Eight straight. What I will say for Jordan is that I know. It's, you know, he should be carrying his teams. He should be getting in the finals more than six times in his career. He played in the playoffs 13 total times. If you look at his stats in the playoffs, he never averaged less than 30 points. Only three total years was he not the leading scorer in the playoffs. The years that he didn't score 30 points was only once. When he was 21 years old and playing 43 minutes a night when they got when they lost in the first round in 1984-1985. Was that the Pistons? Uh, I believe that was the Pistons. I'll click on it right now. Uh, it was the Milwaukee Bucks. They oh, lost. Interesting. They they played less games also back then in their in their um, playoff. It was a three point three wins one year playoffs. I missed that. My my thing with the Jordan argument is that he has less things to put against him because you say oh well he didn't make the finals as much never his fault almost never there's only I think there's one series where he had if inefficient shooting I can't remember off the top of my head but in general he's leading the league in steals he's leading the league in points during the playoffs he's shooting better he's just in general making. His team better no matter what. Also, and, and also he's getting double teamed. Yes, and yeah, game. and yeah. and and he would have series where Scottie Pippen was not helping him that much. As much as Scottie Pippen is a legend, he had he had much more downs and than a lot of players. He's yeah, he's a little whiny guy. Yeah, he's a whiny uh, guy. And LeBron, I think you can say for more series that he was the him not showing up hurt his team more than Jordan doing. I agree. Then LeBron didn't show up in 2011. Yep, did not show up. Though. The reason I am going to say Michael Jordan is my greatest player of all time. That oh, I'm, yeah, I, I'm, I didn't even say mine. Well, I mean, after this, you, I, I, let me finish mine. I'll no, you're right. you. yeah, no, you're good. Yeah. Uh, the reason I'm saying Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time is that there has never been an NBA player as good as him to ever play the game. And not only that, but he backed it up every time he played the sport. There's never been a time where Michael Jordan didn't back it up, except for after he had been retired for three years. The Wizards thing... I don't think should really be put in people's conversation in their eyes of him. But him to playing, be honest, though, I don't think people. I don't think they do. People don't. Yeah, really, they don't care. But they I'm saying they, 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 they don't. So what I'm saying is, when he was in the NBA with the Bulls as a competitor, he came back to the Wizards because he liked basketball and he was there because like it's fun. Yeah, why not? play basketball. Yeah. When he was competing in the NBA, there was never a time a player was better than him. 
in my opinion, and there was never a time where he wasn't the best at every aspect of the game. Apart from, obviously, like, you know, he wasn't the best rebounder, the best passer, but he's a better scorer than LeBron, even though he doesn't have the longevity of scoring, which I will give LeBron 100%. He gets his flowers, broke the record. I don't know why people said he was the GOAT after he broke the record, as if that changed anything. That number was already something in LeBron's favor. Even when LeBron had 2,000 less points than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, I mean, Jordan's, what, like, nine all-time? Yeah. like that's, like, nine all-time, yeah. Th- it's, always, it's always been, we always have known that LeBron James is a better overall all-time scorer. That's never not been the argument. But when Michael Jordan was playing basketball, he was the best scorer in the league, the best defender in the league, just the best player in the league, no matter what. There's been multiple times in LeBron James' career where he wasn't the best player in the league which, come playoff time, usually goes away. But Michael Jordan has the most dominant playoff performances ever. ever. And the one thing I, I think I would give LeBron in respect to that is that Jordan never played a team like LeBron had to in the Warriors, and that really hurt his legacy. But Jordan made a team that was as good or better than the Warriors without having as much talent as the Warriors. Yep. And LeBron never made a team so good like that multiple years in a row. Never had that three-peat status. Never made a team so good that they made the Warriors as good, or as good as the Warriors. And Jordan's Bulls were the Warriors before the Warriors. Well, it was like the Bulls and the Spurs and the Warriors. Yeah, you had the Spurs in there. Sure, I had man. to. Sure, man. I had to. <laughs> um, Michael Jordan. Michael Ma- Jeffrey Jordan. Michael Jeffrey, parentheses, quotations, Space Jam Jordan. MJ. Air, his airness, his if airness. you will. Um, MJ, 23 is I would disagree. He is the one that ended the Detroit Pistons, which was insanely, insanely beautiful and poetic. Mm-hmm. He's beaten the Boston Celtics. He's beaten the Pistons. He's beaten the Magic, who were really good at one point. Those few years he was out of the league. Uh, and then they potentially could have won a title, too. He's beaten the Rockets. He's taken down Charles Barkley. He's taken down Carl Malone. He's taken down... So the thing about Jordan is there are so many guys today that all work TNT at Reggie Miller, at Charles Barkley, <laughs> everyone. They all talk about him with so much respect, but it's hatred. Because yeah. he's the reason they don't have a ring. Yeah. The thing is, a lot of guys have, have like, obviously, yeah, LeBron's been to a lot, but a lot of guys have rings still. Yeah, he's the most dominant player on the court, but when it comes to overall greatness, he lacks in that department. Mm-hmm. And he lacks in the idea of loyalty and the idea of working for something. So with that, I'm going to have to agree with you. And I'm going to say that Michael Jordan is the GOAT. I mean, I'm, we're agreeing again. This has been a lot of agreement in this episode. I, I do like what you said is that th- he did – I think Jordan was more of a killer of careers, which is kind of that seems a little morbid. No, um, but he was. But he took he, people hate him. Yeah, because I mean, Chuck Daly is the one who I, I was trying to remember his first name was Chuck. He was one of the greatest coaches of all time for the Pistons, and they were a team that won back to back championships. Michael Jordan basically got him fired. Yeah, from from just outplaying him so much, and this is a guy who was playing against good teams, and he eliminated the East from contention. All the best teams during his his six years of greatness were Jazz, Supersonics, well, Suns. I said like ten year greatness. Ten yeah, ten years. years. Yeah. But I'm saying the the six years of winning, yeah. and it was the Jazz, the Supersonics, the Suns, the Trailblazers, the Spurs. 
teams just kind of stopped trying in the East because of how good he was. It's kind of crazy to, to think of that. And it's similar for LeBron, I will say. When LeBron, whatever East team he was on, there was not much competition. But LeBron also didn't really beat the Western teams when he had to, like the Warriors. Had that tarnishing series against the Mavericks where he wasn't very good. Same with the Spurs. Got outplayed by a younger Kawhi Leonard at that time. Well, I mean, he got outplayed by the Spurs twice. Yeah. You know, it's just we we just screwed up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that 2014 Spurs team, a 36-year-old Tim Duncan dominated mm-hmm. LeBron James. And it wasn't only LeBron's fault. Obviously, this game is a team game, but the reason I – this is the only sport – I guess I'll, I'll football with quarterbacks a little bit, but this is the sport where I think that an individual player can impact the team the most – And when you're talking about the greatest of all time, it needs to be the one that is winning. And Michael Jordan should have a knock on him for not playing as long as LeBron. LeBron came as a 19-year-old, still one of the best players in the league at, what, 39? It's it's crazy how good he is. I disagree. Different eras, man. Yeah. Different eras. Guys in the NBA in that time didn't play 20 years. And also, like, guys in the NBA weren't putting what they put into their body while LeBron does. Yeah, LeBron exactly. invests so much Conditioning time is crazy body. nowadays. Yeah, I mean, like, they were just lifting weights, smoking some darts, <laughs> and then going to play basketball. What I will say is I, I, I'm not a fan of the old head era debate. I really I really hate it when Mad Dog Russo and, you know, Stephen A get into the whole era thing. But it is fair to say that what was done to their body and how they could recover was so much less accessible than it is today. It was. If you put LeBron back then, he probably outlasts Jordan. If he gets drafted in 1984... He probably plays longer than 2003. I could say that. Or w- without, you know, stoppages in his career. I could think that. That's completely fine. But I still think Jordan would have been the better player. And that's my big thing is that he was... Man, the, that would have been the greatest conference finals. That would have been crazy. Yeah. But if you take Jordan and say he was the better scorer, even if he wasn't as... He, they were similar to three-point shooting, but Jordan, best mid-range shooter in the game of all time, best finisher at the rim of all time. LeBron was a better dunker, but that's not quite as important. Best, way better defender. Well, who's the slam dunk champion? That's a good point. <laughs> Michael Jake, Jordan had flashy dunks, but Jake, LeBron, LeBron's Jake, in-game dunking. Well, LeBron's thunder dunks. Do you remember, side note, yeah. do you remember his first game as a Laker away, 9 p.m. TNT game, Portland Trailblazers? <laughs> no, you do. He got the ball. He got a, he got a rebound. Starts jumping up the court. At the, at, the half, at the half court, he starts going full speed. And it's like dribble, dribble, and then it's just one, two, like, oh, six, the, like yes, six feet yes, into the yes. free throw line, just yams it. He he basically free throw line dunked it, right? Basically, yeah, like a little bit closer in, but he just pretty much just yammed the whole thing. Yammed it. It was insane. Yeah, yeah. but I think what I was gonna say is that Jordan, way better defender, yeah. better scorer. So either way, both aspects of the the game, the, the front court, back court, he's better at passing. LeBron should be given that. I, LeBron Jordan's best, the goat. Yeah, best forward passer <laughs> of all time. But I think it's just fair to say that Jordan's the goat and. If you took every player of all time, put him into one game, and said you have five seasons as a as a player, win as many championships as possible, be the best player possible, I'm taking Jordan every time. I agree. Now, here's something I want to get into. We're, we're extending a little bit of time. I'm not going to take too much time. I, th- I wrote down a little bit. Charles Barkley talked about this a lot, that you shouldn't say the GOAT. It should be GOATs of generations because of how different generations are. For me, it goes Bill Russell in, like, the 60s. Agreed. Into Kareem, yep. Jordan, Kobe Duncan, LeBron. You're going to say Duncan. I'll probably agree with you. That's how it goes. Who's the next GOAT once okay. LeBron retires? I agree with Russell. Uh, I agree with Kareem. 
my only knock, and you did talk to me about the show, so I do agree, is, you know, like, I feel like Magic and Larry Bird was very important to the NBA in the mm-hmm. 80s, so I can kind of see why not yeah. Kareem, because Kareem yeah. was the most dominant player. Jordan, obviously. You can, yeah, you can maybe slot in Bird and Magic in that little but area. It, it was just because they created so much about Bird. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the way you can do Bird and Magic is the way you can do Kobe and Duncan, in yeah. my opinion. Well, Kobe and Duncan more. They have more val- validity to them, but... Um, you know, I'll never speak ill on <coughs> the departed, but nah, nah, it ain't even close, bro. Kobe is a cold-blooded killer. Better he, score, no shit. No better question. score. He is the Mamba, but nobody was able to dominate like Tim Duncan did. Like nobody realized, like this guy would go to work every single day and just put up twenty-four and twelve, three blocks, and go home. More complete game, more, more championships. More complete game, and he was. He was the silent killer, bro. And also, I, I know that Kobe has a lot of championships. But he had Shaq for three, three of them. Those, he bro. wasn't the best player on his team. No, three of them. He, Shaq three was three the best he, was, he was not the best player, which is why that really it, it helped him because he won the championships, but hurt his legacy a little bit, in my opinion. And people forget, Tim Duncan as a rookie, a rookie, took the Spurs to the NBA Finals. Yeah, and like led them. Well, led them like because David Robinson was injured that season. He mm-hmm. was not great. He obviously he was great in the playoffs. Yeah. But Tim Duncan took that team to the NBA Finals yeah. and won in five games. And we talked about this off-air. We were going to do a little segment about who every position is, but we agreed at every position that goes. Point guard Magic Johnson, Steph shooting Curry. guard, or, or Steph Curry. Actually, that's I think one. Curry's going to overtake him. Actually, you know what? I think Curry's no, going to overtake him. I think it is Curry. For some reason, it slipped my mind. Curry's Actually, I'm probably, I'm probably happy saying Curry these yeah. days. Jordan, LeBron. Yep. Tim Duncan, we agree at power forward. Yep. I think that should be the choice for everyone. Mm-hmm. Center, we I say Shaq. He says Shaq. I say Kareem. I think Shaq's peak was better. I think Shaq's peak was better than most, pretty much everyone but Jordan's, in my opinion. Yeah. But Shaq didn't have the mentality to, to stay that. But I do want to, I, I read it down here, and I talked to some of my friends. Who do you think is the next GOAT of the generation? The next GOAT Next of 15 the years, you know, in theory, LeBron James is retiring. Can I say, in theory, counting this year's draft class? You can say whoever you want. In 2024, in, in 2024 is expected to be LeBron's last year because that's when Bronny comes in and he wants to play with Bronny. In theory, after that, you'd have 15 years until 2040. From now until 2040, who is going to be the greatest player? Or we can say we can start from 2020 to 2040. Okay, I think you should just. I think the easiest way to do this is do 2010s is Bron. Yeah. And 2020 is up for play. The 20s are up for fair play. Yeah. 20, LeBron, 20, 20s through 30s, yeah. Unless LeBron stays down until he's, like, through 2027, then that's the only way I would give it to him. But I'd say, like, 2025 and on. Or maybe I'll do this. I'm like, yeah. yeah. In my mind, there's three, three answers. Okay. One, who I hope, I hope it's the case, is I hope it's Webinyama. I would love for it to be Victor Webinyama. Mm-hmm. Number two is Giannis. Uh, number two is the Greek Freak. That's it. Yeah, you're you're ending it there. Um, <coughs> yeah. Okay. That's it. Yeah, it's for, it's Giannis Webanyama for me. For me, I made it. I made a ten player shortlist. These are not the ten best. These I'm not saying these are the ten best players. These are ten players I wrote down. For myself, it's just Curry was a weird decade, so that's why I'm. I'm not gonna, Curry is Curry is always going to be the second fiddle to LeBron, as unfortunate as for him, yeah. and he's he's deserves to be called the best point well, guard. Same as Kevin Durant. Yeah, same with Kevin Durant. It's yeah. it's, it's just going to be like that for their careers. And for me, the shortlist from now until for through the 2020s, a little bit into the 2030s: Giannis, Luka, Jokic, Tatum, Morant, Embiid, Zion, Bancaro, Wenbanyama, 
Bancaro. I would have said Bancaro. Really? Okay. Yeah, I would have. Bancaro and then 10, not in college yet, we don't know yet kind of guy. In my opinion, I think we completely eliminate Embiid, Zion, I think Tate, need, and Barant. I think you need to take away Jokic. And I think Jokic is right on that bubble where it's. I think he's going to always be seen as a great individual player. Probably seen as the best passer of all time when he retires. And he's already the best big man passer, no, no question. Obviously. Maybe already the best passer ever. But... This One of the most gifted big yeah, ball. Yeah, uh, but he just started his career a little late, hasn't won anything yet, has the MVPs. So then, in my opinion, the three are Wenbanyama, Giannis, and Luka. We were close. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I think I think, I think think Bancaro is fair because he's the only really young player in the league right now who even has the chance of being all NBA level. It doesn't seem like anyone from the class, from like Cade Cunningham onwards, is close to that. And I, I really like Bancaro. He's been great. And the Magic have a chance to become a legit contender in the next three to four years. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So I but, say I say I'm gonna take out Luca from I think he's my third strictly because I don't I'm not confident he's gonna be a winner in his career compared to other people. I don't think Luca's gonna be able to sustain what he's doing. I think he can sustain it. I really do. I think he will be able to be a elite, elite NBA player for a long time. But when you're talking about the greatest player of a generation, it's a guy who's winning the most championships. They have to be within that's top well, two. That, I think that's why I would take Jokic out. Yeah, that, that's yeah. That, that's why he's he's to a lesser extent than Doncic. It's that's why Tatum's out. Yeah, Tatum. Well, Tatum's already winning is the problem. Yeah. So, but Tatum, or at least he's getting there. He's getting he there. Is, sorry, he's making the finals. But Tatum's. He's also just not as good as these players. He's in a bad position because he's yeah. in the most talented position to ever come in the NBA, which is the shooting guard and small forwards. And so. Tatum and Embiid are in the same spot for me. Very, very good players, just not not going to be it. I agree. And I'll say with Doncic, like I said, you have to be a top two or three winner in your generation. I don't think the Mavericks are going to be like that. I just, I just don't. I don't think they have the ability to build around him. I agree. Giannis is my two. Giannis I'm agreeing with Giannis your number one. Giannis is mine. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's because he's already won a championship. He's the closest thing we've ever seen to a freak of nature to the level of Jordan, yeah. where six eleven, but is the best defender in the NBA. Best score in the NBA since, like, he's he gotten in pretty much. Can pass, can't shoot. That's his big downfall. Yeah. That's what's, that's, that, but that's what's going to hurt him and what's going to hurt the Bucks. Yeah. My, I think I'm going to say if I had to bet money out of 100 simulations of the NBA for the next 10, 15 years, who's going to be the best? I think the most amount of time is going to be Victor Wembanyama, And I know he's not in the NBA yet. I think it's going to be well. I know it's, but there's just, he is a 7'5", center who can shoot, create his own shot, score, and is the gr- most hyped-up prospect since, since LeBron. LeBron. It's never yeah. been done before. I just think that if you're going to place odds on someone, he obviously could bust. But I don't think it's because of how good he is to commit an injury. If I he, think he's just he got the best does, chance. If he does bust, it's because he's drafted to the wrong org. Yeah, wrong org or injury. Wrong org. Yeah, and that's sim- similar to Luka. Luka, it, in my opinion, I know Mavericks fans are going to like this, and I have Mavericks fans who listen to this. The Mavericks are hurt, have hurt his... His early prime. I agree completely. A lot. They have. He's, he carried them to the conference finals. If it doesn't work out with Kyrie this year, it's going to be weird. It's interesting, though. Well, gotta, what's going to be the future? You have to, you have to give him the opportunity with the best player he's had in his career. But either way, but for me, it, Victor is... Work, yeah. needs to leave. Yeah, probably. Go to the Lakers. Need, yeah, Luka needs to leave. <laughs> go, go somewhere that will get you free agents and draft well. For me, Victor is that guy. I think we're going to see that this next generation is going to be him solidifying himself as that next player and I think I think we both agree. I agree. Right, I think that's it though yeah. for our episode. We, we went, went really long. In deep, yeah. Yeah, I th- that, this was one where I think you know it's our Jordan episode. We we had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> we did. We've, we we've, did. we had a weird day today. I think that also came to why this was such a long episode and 
this is gonna be a pain to edit. I'll I'll help I'll help more than I usually do with Thank JC. God. But that um, means he's actually gonna help. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of show I show up, look pretty, and talk. You know what I'm saying? He does it quite well. Yeah. So either way, we talked a lot. Talked about Texas basketball. It felt like three hours ago. We talked about the NFL. That also felt like an hour ago. Yeah, not not quite as bad. We talked about the NBA. Felt like 20 minutes ago. Um, JC, just because we were just something fun, give me the song that you've been bumping this week. The song that I've been bumping? Yeah, because we didn't do anything too we didn't, we didn't do anything funny. Um, the song that I've been bumping this week. I could look this up, actually. Honestly, the song that I've been bumping this week is... I can tell you because I was listening to it while I was walking over here. Um, Scar Tissue by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Really? Yeah. Okay, a little Red Hot Chili Scar Peppers. Scar Tissue by the... Or... Um, Twerculator by City Girls. Yeah, you've been saying that so much. It's <laughs> really annoying. <laughs> it's time for the twerk. Um, I don't know which I would say. I think it's probably. Hmm. What am I gonna say? Uh, wrap it up quickly. Um. Uh. 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 uh, 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 uh I'm choking. Uh, it's gotta be. Um. He's failing. He's failing. I oh, really no. am failing because I'm trying to find. There's one <laughs> song, but I can't. Re- oh. Slide by Frank Ocean. I got I got back into that oh, song this that's a week. Great one. Fantastic song. My final um, note, or I guess Calvin Harris's song. My final note before we end, which is a great, fantastic. What is that Funk Waves three or something? Funk like Waves, that? yeah, yeah, great song. Um, thank you always for your consistent support and your ever ever love. We did break our single day stream record this week. Let's break it again this week, guys. Yes. Let's keep it going. Um, we are in a very good position right now where this podcast can move up and. The more that y'all listen, the more that y'all share, just furthers Evan and I's career. Yeah. And this is something that, like, ideally, we could make money off of one day. So the more support we can get, the better. <laughs> we do this because we love it. We don't do it for money. Yeah. We do it because 100%. we love it. We wouldn't have started if we didn't if we didn't love it. So mm-hmm. we, we've loved every second that we've had doing this. And thank you guys for your support. And this is something we want to take to higher heights. And I think if you guys help us out. It's true. We can do that. This, this is this is a plea call. <laughs> it's not a plea call. It's not we a plea just, call, but it we is. We just want you guys to continue being great. Continue supporting us and always share it. Yeah. Always share, share it. Around. We I, share plenty. <laughs> yeah, we talk about it too much. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we do. And I will end you with a note from our beloved athletic director, Chris Delgante. If, uh, this question was asked if you two would ever change nice. their uniforms. I'm glad you brought this up. God wanted multicolored sunsets. He'd have made them purple and green. But he didn't. They're burnt orange. It's not old. It's not stuffy. It's Texas. It's the best. And to end with a quote from Vic Schaefer, thank you, God bless, and hook horns.